Welcome to the Seahawks Man to Man podcast powered by The Athletic. Shout out to the company. My name is Michael Sean Dugar. I'm here with my co-host Christopher Kidd. Make sure you follow us both on the tweet machine, Chris. Uh, you can follow me at Mike Dugar. That is M-I-K-E-D-U-G-A-R. Chris, talk to him. I will never call it the tweet machine. And you can follow me on Twitter at C-K-I-D-D-206 and that's C-Kid206. So if you call it the tweet machine, then you get the, <laughs> you get the blue check if you, you can call it that. Oh, thanks. Uh, anyway, <laughs> we have a special, special guest uh, on this week. This is the, the first installment of our NFC West uh, roundup. We're talking to all the great journalists we have at The Athletic who cover teams in the NFC West. First up is a team that maybe arguably had the best offseason of anyone in the NFC West. We have the homie from Arizona, Scott Bordeaux. Scott, what up, man? How you doing, Michael? Uh, I am good. I'm good. My team didn't rob Bill O'Brien, uh, but you know we're doing doing all right over here. Uh, I, I mentioned it just now, but now that I think about it, it, might really be true, man. Did the did the Cardinals quietly have like the best off season of anyone in the division? I think you can make an argument for that. I mean, let you just mentioned Bill O'Brien. There are a lot of people going to be sending Christmas cards to him this year from Arizona. I mean, just start with that trade. I mean, you think about it. Go back to that trade. The Cardinals were desperate to get off David Johnson's contract. You know, he had lost the starting running back job. He had a $10.2 million guaranteed salary. Nobody in the league thought they could get off it unless they added a draft pick to a deal. You know, if you trade David to, say, Tampa and give them a fourth-round pick, maybe they'd take on the salary if you ate some of the costs. So what happens? They get to trade David to, to Houston. They get DeAndre Hopkins, one of the best receivers in the league, they get off David Johnson's contract, and all they essentially have to give up is a second-round pick. And they absolutely steal the deal for the Cardinals. I mean, it shocked everybody in the NFL. And then you add to that, you know, they're drafting eighth in the first round, and Isaiah Simmons, that Clemson Uber athlete who can play about 28 different positions, falls to them. In the third round, they get Josh Jones, a tackle from Houston, who a lot of people thought were a first-round pick. And then a free agency, Michael, they signed three defensive starters in, in Devon Kennard, the outside linebacker, who's had seven sacks each of the last two seasons. Jordan Phillips, a defensive tackle from Buffalo, who had nine and a half sacks. And Devondre Campbell, the inside linebacker, who had more than 100 tackles last year for the Falcons. So they really shored up a ton of areas. They needed help defensively. They got those starters. They needed a number one receiver. They got Hopkins. They got off David Johnson's contract. It's hard to name NFL teams that did more than that in the offseason. See, the crazy thing is there's two parts of the DeAndre Hopkins thing that were interesting to me. I remember, A, having you on this show and you talking about David Johnson's contract. Yeah. like And how and how tough that was going to be for them to move it. And I think we would have maybe talked on, like, Slack or something about how tough that was going to be and, like, the options and how they were going to, yeah, have to throw it in. You throw it in and get D-Hop, my Jesus. Oh, my, my goodness. What a move. And, and, and I get that. I, I guess I get the point that, he, you know, O'Brien came out later and said Hopkins wants a new contract and they weren't willing to give him a big one because they wanted to re-sign Deshaun Watson and Larry Tunson and all these other guys. But still, why are you taking on David Johnson's $10.2 million contract in that deal? If you want to trade Hopkins and because you don't want to pay him, go ahead. But you should have at least have gotten what Minnesota got from Buffalo and Stephon Diggs' deal. They got a first-round pick. You didn't get a first-round pick for DeAndre Hopkins, and you took on a gargantuan contract for a running back. It's really one of the worst trades in the NFL I can remember in the last 10 years. No, no, I'm I'm with you. The second part that was interesting is I was actually with um, some defensive players on the Seahawks at the time of the the, uh, Cardinals trade. It it flashed across TV. I think it was on ESPN. Uh, uh, I'm not going to quote them because there was some profanity in there, but they were just (laughs) blown 
away, not like a fearful way, because I was with some good players, so they were like, no, nah, you know, bring it on. Uh, but just the the jaw drop, it was so fun to be there in real time. Like jaws were just dropping. Like they traded what for who? Oh, oh my goodness. And if you're a defensive back in the NFC West, do you really want to be facing Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins pairing twice a year? Uh-uh. Speaking of DeAndre Hopkins, what do you think the fan base reaction was? I mean, we just heard Mike being with some of the defensive players and what their reaction was. How do you think the fans, or what did you see from the fans on the internet or wherever the case may be in that regard when DeAndre Hopkins was indeed traded to the Arizona Cardinals? Well, you would have thought Arizona won the Super Bowl. I mean, <laughs> The first, the immediate reaction was absolute astonishment. It, it's like Michael said, what? <laughs> the, the trade was what? I mean, nobody could believe it. And then as it settled in, Cardinals fans were like, we have one of the best receivers in the league. We have Kyler Murray. We still have Larry Fitzgerald and Christian Kerr. Oh, my goodness, we're going to be really good this year. I mean, it was celebratory around here for a long, long time. Uh, again, shock was the number one because of the you know, lopsidedness of the trade. But once once that they got past that... They're just absolutely thrilled with what's going on here. You mentioned he's one of the best receivers in the NFL, and I think Mike and I would definitely agree with you on that. What type of difference do you think he can make with Larry Fitzgerald and working with Kyler Murray in this offense with Cliff Kingsbury? Well, I mean, he does a lot of things for them. They didn't, even though Larry Fitzgerald is one of the greatest players ever to play this game, he is no longer a number one receiver at his age. They needed a go-to guy, a guy who could catch 100 passes a year, who could beat defenses deep. They have, they did not have that guy this year. So now they get a number one receiver in DeAndre Hopkins, and it puts Larry Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk in positions that are more comfortable, and it's number two and three receivers. Now they can line up three really good receivers on every down. And if you're a defensive backfield, you're an opposing team, who do you double? Are mm. you going to double DeAndre Hopkins and leave Larry Fitzgerald with his size and how good he is over the middle one-on-one? Are you going to leave one-on-one coverage against Christian Kirk? You know, last year they didn't have to worry about that. This year they're going to have to account for Hopkins, and that's going to really take a lot of the defense's focus, which I think is going to make Fitzgerald and Kirk even better. And then just in terms of Kyler Murray, I mean, you're a young quarterback, a second-year quarterback, and now you have one of the top three wideouts arguably in the game at your disposal. He was already great in my mind as a rookie. To have that target now, I think he is going to take a huge kind of, you know, I'm trying to think, you know, Patrick Mahomes, uh, Lamar Jackson, kind of Deshaun Watson leap in his second year. Have you guys had the opportunity to talk with DeAndre Hopkins yet? Zoom call or whatever? We did through, we did through a Zoom call, you know, like everybody else. That's, that's how we communicate right now. We got him. Maybe a few weeks after the trade, after the medicals were finally cleared, he got his physical. And, you know, he expressed how thrilled he is to be here. And he said all the right things. He's already donated some money to the community. He's obviously thrilled because he did not get along with Bill O'Brien. He'll also be thrilled because the Cardinals will renegotiate his contract. He had zero guaranteed money in the next three years of his deal. That won't be the case when he reports to camp. I, I can guarantee you he's going to get a deal you know, a three, four-year deal worth at least $18, $20 million a year and a ton of guaranteed money up front from Arizona. You know, I'm really wary of declaring that teams win in offseason, whether that's in the, within your division or within the league or whatever. Like, I, don't even, I won't even go as far to say that with someone like Tampa Bay uh, this year getting, getting right. Brady. But with, when, when I hear you talk about how the fans react, it almost reminds me of, like, the D-Hop trade being like an NBA trade. You know, because in the NBA, you can win the offseason. You trade for Anthony Davis and your Lakers, you win, right? <laughs> you trade for Kawhi Leonard and Paul George in the NBA, you win. You get 
Chris Paul in his prime or something like that. This kind of feels like that. Like they're obviously the Cardinals were more players away. You know, I've watched. I think their draft class is really good, but like the D Hop feels like all right. We got Anthony Davis now. You know, as if we're Lakers no, fans. That's a great point because if you take D Hop away and and everything else is the same, they drafted Isaiah Simmons and Josh Jones. They got Phillips, Kennard, and Devondre Campbell in free agency. Nobody here in Arizona would be thinking, okay, we're a playoff football team. We're going to go from five wins to ten wins and challenging the NFC West to make the playoffs. There's still too much uncertainty. But when you get DeAndre Hopkins, one of the best, in my mind, three wideouts in the league, a proven superstar with a young quarterback, then you do win the offseason. He is a proven elite player in this league. And how many times are those guys available in a trade? So, yeah, I think you can say the Cardinals won the offseason. Again, it doesn't mean they're going to win a lot of football games. But on paper, this is a much better, dramatically better team than the one that ended last year. Yeah, and that's scary news for Seahawks fans because the division was already hard. <laughs> like it's, right. It's, it sucks for them because the Rams could have their number, whether their Rams are good or not. You know, and, you know, the, the Niners are obviously the Niners, and now here come the Cardinals with their, their stud quarterback who I want to talk about now. Um, and I mentioned this. Well, I'll- before you get on to Kyler, I'll ask you one question, Michael, since we cover the teams in the same division. With the seventh team going in, I think there's a chance all four teams in the NFC West could get in this year. Ooh, that's someone someone tweeted that. Yeah, that is man, I think it could it could happen. Because there's no bad team. Right. That's the thing. It's like the anti NFC East. Like this is every team has like le- legit talent. I mean, I know like uh Seahawks fans like to poke fun at like Jared Goff, but Jared Goff has their number, right? Like if it doesn't matter if he stinks against everyone else. Here in the division where you play <laughs> the division represents what like what, how many what percentage? More than a third of your games that the division uh right. re- represents. Like your division is what is what matters. That's probably why we're doing doing the series here. And, and Kyler, um I know you had asked all the the NFC West writers uh about like who's the best or the the best asset on the team, I think it was right. the best best young talent. And with Kyler, I told people this when I'm evaluating quarterbacks because that's like the hot thing to do when we're arguing about football. It's 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 unfair to take too much out of one year, whether good or bad. However, every guy if they get if they get the the, the right amount of starts, they give you off that feel, right? You just you just have that feel like you know what yep. this is this is gonna work, independent of the numbers. Uh, just you're just independent of win loss. Usually, watch like Deshaun Watson rookie year. Like, all right, this is gonna work. Uh, you know, even RG three rookie year. Even though it didn't pan out, you're just like, yo, this dude can be the guy. You know, he just didn't stay healthy. Andrew Luck, Russell Wilson. Uh, you know, I use the counter examples of like last year, Daniel Jones. I didn't see it. Uh, Dwayne Haskins didn't really see it, but I'll reserve judgment. You get the point. Kyler, I was like, you know what? He's got it. Whatever it it is. He's the guy. You know what I mean? Did you see that it, that same thing? Yeah, and I'll, I'll, I'll make a statement that may shock you, but if you think about it more carefully, it might not. I think there's only one player in the league that has his combination of elite arm talent and mobility, and, and that's Patrick Mahomes. Mm. I, I, I think he's a better thrower than Lamar Jackson. I think he's a better thrower than Deshaun Watson. I don't think Russell Wilson is as mobile as he used to be. Really, if you combine his arm talent, and his arm talent is elite, he can make every throw on the field with great accuracy. He's got great touch. He can just, you know, he can get it there quickly on a rope. You combine that with probably he's as mobile as anybody in the league. Is there anybody other than Mahomes with that combination? No, and no, and Mahomes isn't as fast. Kyler Murray talking right. to, talking to defenders after uh, Seahawks defenders. That is after games against the Cardinals. 
at least the first game and games against the the Ravens because Lamar ran for a hundred on them. Right. They were just talking about those dudes like they were like action figures. Like it yep. just it sounded like what dudes probably said about Vic in the mid two thousands. And just like that dude was like, they're all like, look, I'm fast. That dude was moving at a very different speed <laughs> than than the rest of us. And yeah, you're right. What we're seeing in Kyler uh, is is special. Is that the kind of feeling uh, in in Arizona right now? Whether it's the fans or just the front office that this th- we have our guy. Yeah, and that that's why people are so optimistic about the future of this franchise. Because they believe, and I agree with them, that they have an elite young quarterback. Is he one of the best five in the game right now? No, but he's only played one season. Will he be one of the best five in the game after year two or three? I absolutely believe that. And if you have a young elite quarterback who can also run with the ball and create problems in the run game, and he's on a rookie contract, it's just like Seattle did with Russell Wilson. You can build around him and be competitive for years. And I, and I think there's a real belief that the Cardinals have the chance that ne- the next three to five years with him in a rookie deal to you know sign a lot of guys and be a, a perennial playoff contender. And which there's like a buzzword with young quarterbacks all the time. We're already hearing it with um with Lamar. Heard it last year at the start of the season with Mahomes that they'll quote catch up. The league will catch up to to Kyler. I don't know. We have to define catch up when we when we say that. I think a lot a lot better. But in that regard, what if if there is anything you think he struggles in in year two or maybe regresses in or has trouble with? What do you think it'll be? I'm not sure he has the kind of game where you catch up to it. I mean, his elite arm talent, you don't catch up to that. I mean, people haven't caught up to Aaron Rodgers' elite arm talent. That's just the way it is. You know, some guys are just blessed with an arm that is better than most people in the game. So I don't think you can catch up to that. I don't think you can catch up to his quickness. I mean, he runs like a roadrunner when he covers ground. I mean, you can maybe you know adjust your defenses, put a spy on him, and, and know because he's so fast you have to account for that. But I'm not sure you can catch up to that. The one area he has to improve on, he has to be better in the pocket. His pocket awareness, especially in the first four games last year, was not good. And I don't know for sure if this is a function of his size, but when he he starts drifting back in the pocket and the play breaks down, he doesn't take the step up in the pocket that you see from a lot of veteran quarterbacks to buy himself some time. And it may be that because at 5'10", he can't see over the line when he's kind of in the middle there. So he has a tendency to back up. And, that, and he took a lot of bad sacks last year where it put the Cardinals in second and 19, third and 17 because he was taking seven, eight, 11-yard sacks. That's the one area he has to get better in. But in terms of arm talent and mobility and quickness, um, he's got it all. Let's talk a little defense. The Seahawks still are figuring things out with their defensive line. Jadavion Clowney, I don't know what's going to happen. Mike can probably tell you the same thing. Sack time. Chandler Jones could claim single-season mark from Michael Strahan. I read that piece, and I was like, oh, my goodness. I forgot how elite Chandler Jones was last season with 19 sacks, just only behind Shaquille Baird, who finished with 19 and a half, if I'm not mistaken. Can you talk about the importance of Chandler Jones? I mean, he's only 30 years old. He just turned 30. He's coming in this season. He clearly has a goal set. How scary is this? Well, think about it. He had 19 sacks last year. The, the only other car, the Cardinals didn't have another player with more than five and a half. So he was their pass rush. Then you add in the fact they finished five, 10 and one, which meant in most fourth quarters, they were behind in games. So now you throw in everything we talked about and how they won the offseason, DeAndre Hopkins. They're going to win a lot more football games this year. They're going to be in a lot more games in the fourth quarter where opposing quarterbacks have to throw the ball. And now you add other guys who can rush the passer, Devon Kennard, Jordan Phillips. 
Chandler Jones is going to fall into sacks for the first time as a Cardinal, where there's pressure coming from the other side or pressure coming from the interior, and the quarterback drifts his way and into his arms and he gets a sack. He's rarely gotten cheap sacks from somebody else's rush. He has had to accumulate all those sacks himself. He had 19 last year for a bad football team. I, I don't think there's any question that he has a chance to challenge Strahan's mark. He's maybe the best pass rusher in the game. He'll have more opportunities to, to, to get to the quarterback. He won't be dropping the coverage as much. I wouldn't be shocked at all if he gets 21-22 next year. I wouldn't be surprised one bit. Woo! Okay, oh, we, gotta, we, we are... Get the th- timestamp on that. <laughs> I want to go back to that if Scott's right on that. That's going to be crazy. I mean, just... He is an incredible talent, and... Just reading that story is like, dang, he really balled out last season. He had four sacks against the Seahawks. (laughs) Yeah, it was. And and think about this. Because they had no other pass rusher, you could double-team or chip Chandler on almost every play because you weren't worried about anybody else. Now you have to worry about Kennard. Now you have to worry about Phillips. Now you have to worry about Isaiah Simmons, where they line him up. Chandler Jones is going to see more single-team blocks this next season than he has his entire career with Arizona. What does that do for his sack total? Mm. Oh, man, that yeah, that, that is scary rockets. to think about. Before, Chris told me, uh, reminded me of the story you wrote, Scott, that you guys, everyone should go check out on the Athletic. I didn't realize he had four sacks, Chandler. That is in two different games <laughs> last yes, year. Yes, he did against the Giants in Seattle. Well, and that's crazy because from the Seahawks' perspective, um, they their leading sack guy from last year, Rasheem Green, had four for four the season. <laughs> yeah, for the season had. Had four, and that, that's ridiculous. And I understand why the Seahawks probably had a bunch of trouble with them. They had trouble that whole game in Week 16. I think Buda Baker, um, who obviously people know, he's from Seattle. I th- I'm pretty sure, correct me if I'm wrong, Scott, he is who took out Chris Carson and C.J. Proceis. That's uh, correct. In Week 16. I think he, he, he lays the hit that breaks Chris Carson's hip. And he yep. lays the one that breaks C.J. Procise's arm, I think, all in the first half. I think that's probably why they couldn't contain Chandler. They were too too busy getting knocked out of the damn game by uh, by Buddha. Oh, he was a missile in that game. I remember he was mic'd up for that game, and it was crazy what he did. And wasn't Seattle missing a starting left tackle in that game as well, if I, if I remember correctly? Yep, so Chandler yep, yep. Jones just ate the backup up. And that's what you got to do if you're going to break the record. It's, it's not just like taking on the best dudes every week. Sometimes, yeah, you're going to get a you're gonna get a rookie or something like that, and you got to tear him up. Four sacks is ridiculous. Oh, man. That's <laughs> and, video game and, numbers. And it, and it sounds crazy, but when you break it down, so he had four and a half sacks, as I wrote in the story, every four weeks last year, right? If he gets five and a half sacks every four weeks this coming year, he breaks the record. That's mm. one sack, one more sack every four weeks. That's not that much to ask. Oh, yes. Yeah, wow. Not, that's, just, that's just one, you know, bad snap by one dude. Every month. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Or Jordan Phillips gets a push and the, and the quarterback drifts left and Chandler says, why, thank you, and gets a cheap sack. <laughs> yep. There, there you go. Is uh, there any way the Seahawks can maybe make a trade to get Chandler Jones? I don't know. <laughs> oh, man. All, all trades should be filtered through Bill O'Brien. Like The, the, Card- the Cardinals have not hired Bill O'Brien as their general manager. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, everything should be filtered uh, through him. It really it really should. I want to – you touched on this earlier in the, in the, in the show, but the, the draft class, I thought – the reason I thought the Cardinals draft was so good is it's really a simple word. Really, it's value. And it's the yeah. one I can't really apply to the Seahawks draft class, and people ask me about it. Even if you get good players, where you really hit in a draft is getting value. You get a player later than everyone else thought, and that's where you really win a draft to me. It's not enough about just drafting a good dude. Like maybe if Jordan Brooks, their first-round pick, pans out, okay, well, you know, did you, could you have gotten him at 59? You know, right. and, and even gotten, uh, you know, better players are more value with the pick. I think just with Simmons and Josh Jones, that that's probably some of the best value for the first two days 
of, of the draft. That's just at least how kind of how I saw it. How did overall? What was your impression of the draft class that the Cardinals had this year? I think that's a great point. Uh, well, let's start with Simmons. When the college football season ended, I think there was a widespread belief in the NFL that he was going to be a top five pick. Everybody talks about getting multi-positional players, guys that can play more than one position, and and he's the epitome of that. He played more than 100 snaps at five different positions for Clemson last year. But you know what happens, Michael, as the draft gets closer, even without personal visits, teams start to nitpick. They look to find things wrong with guys. And all of a sudden, in the couple weeks before the draft, you kept hearing, well, teams aren't sure which position he's going to play. Where are we going to line him up? He can't play five positions. Does he play one position really well? And that scared off some football teams. For the Cardinals to get him at eight, I think was great value when maybe a month before everybody thought he was top three, top five pick. You know, they're going to start him at inside linebacker. He'll probably put, but he's going to play two or three different positions. I think he's going to have an impact no matter where he is in the field because of his athletic ability and football IQ. So it's great value at number eight. And then Josh Jones, at I think it was 72, if I remember correctly, in the third round. There were a lot of people around the NFL who thought he was going to be a first-round pick. And it was so shocking that he fell to the third round that Cliff Kingsbury went on a local radio station and just said in jest that he called Steve Kime up and said, did he kill somebody? You know, why'd, he, why'd he fall so far? Um, so, so to get a potential long-term right tackle, position of need at 72 in the draft, it's great value. It's a steal. With with Simmons, one last thing on him. You know, you mentioned that teams do nitpick, and that's why, uh, for a Seahawk example, that DK fell to them at sixty four. People nitpicked, you know, what he couldn't do in the routes he couldn't run, and forgot that he's six four with four three speed. Um, but right. why didn't the the nitpicking? You know, why weren't the Cardinals afraid of all that with Isaiah? Because Steve Kimes had a, had a history of drafting guys who were more of hybrid athletes. It hasn't always worked out. You know, they thought Hassan Reddick was a guy when he, they drafted him out of Temple that could maybe play, a, you know, two linebacker positions, and he never panned out. But they also drafted Dion, Dion Buchanan and Buda Baker, who switched in a couple safety roles. He's not afraid of those hybrid players. And Simmons is just, he's a freak. He's an absolute freak. You're talking about a guy who was 240 pounds and ran a 4.3940 at the Combine. I mean, he's unlike anybody we've seen in the NFL for a while. So I think Steve Kime envisions him as a guy who they can, you know, against when they play George Kittle in the 49ers. He's going to line up at safety a lot of downs and take George Kittle. He can cover tight ends. He can rush the passer. He had eight sacks for Clemson last year. I think Steve Kime likes those guys as opposed to some GMs who are really set in their old ways and have to say, okay, this guy has to play one position that's the way the nfl's always been i think steve kime sees it more as more like the nba where a guy can maybe play two or three spots and help a team i do want to talk about the defensive line with you guys and the draft of lakey photo out of utah and lsu defensive end Rashard lawrence how important do you think those two players are to help this defense moving forward uh they're important because the defensive line was a mess last year I mean, an absolute mess. And coming into this, you know, into free agency, they essentially had uh, Corey Peters, who's going into the last year of his contract, will be 32. Great guy, but he's in the last stages of his career. And then you had Zach Allen, the, the pick from Boston College last year, who played only four games because of a neck injury. They desperately needed help. And then they get Jordan Phillips in free agency. And then they get Fotu and Lawrence. Two guys, they won't start this year, but they will be valuable role guys. Their run defense was horrific last year i think it was 123 yards a game they gave up Fotu is a run stopper who they can put in the middle with Corey peters you know give Corey peters some more time off he'll be more um successful that way they can give Fotu 35 snaps a game he's a terrific run stopper and rashard lawrence is a guy they think um was undervalued 
because he wasn't asked at Clemson to really penetrate a lot, he didn't have big sack numbers. They believe in their system, which is an attacking system. He can be an interior pass rush presence as well as a run stopper. So those are two really valuable role guys along the defensive line to give them some depth they did not have last year. I have to say I'm really excited to see the Seahawks and Cardinals match up this upcoming season and then against other NFC teams because it's going to be fun to see this team's growth with the pieces they've added. Yeah, and I should have said Rashard Lawrence from LSU, obviously, not Clemson. I I think the NFC West is just going to be fun to see. I mean, there's not a single game in the NFC West that you can say, all right, we're going to win this football game. I think it's the best division in football. I mean, there are four teams that legitimately are are 500 teams or better, and I'm not sure there's another division you can say that about. Hmm. Oh no, you definitely definitely can. Damn sure ain't the NFC East. I don't know why I keep taking digs at them, but I but I do. Well, since we since we've kind of talked about everyone in the draft class, I want to finish with the last two guys, uh, Evan Weaver out of Cal, uh, and uh, how you how you see my man's first name, the running back from Arizona State. Eno, Eno Benjamin. Eno Benjamin. Uh, because they're Pac-12 guys, and maybe just because I only notice Pac-12 guys, because I'm, you know, me and Chris are both was Washington State grads. Uh, right. It feels like Arizona just loads up <laughs> in the in the Pac-12. It feels like they watch the Apple Cup every year and like pick a, you know, <laughs> grab a dude. Because they had what Ezekiel Turner from UW, um, Dayon Buchanan, Byron like Murphy. you mentioned. Yep, Byron yep. Murphy, Buddha. Uh, they took Jalen Thompson in the supplemental draft. Yep. Uh, uh, this year, so I mean that figure with with that hit rate that the Cardinals have, it, either Evan or or or, uh, or Benjamin's going to be a stud, right? Just just on the math. Well, I don't know if it's stud, but I think they both make the team and contribute. I mean, Weaver was a tackling machine at Cal, and I know team said he's not athletic enough. And and I talked to one scout who thought is he more like Scooby Wright, the former Arizona stud who didn't really pan out well in the NFL because he just wasn't athletic enough. And perhaps that happens to Weaver, but he is a tackling machine. He gives great effort. At the very least, he'll be a backup this year and a good special teams player. And then a lot of people were shocked that Eno fell to the seventh round. People thought he was a fourth or fifth round pick. Guy rushed for 1,600 yards as a junior at Arizona State behind a suspect offensive line. Got a great spin move he learned from LaDainian Tomlinson. Great contact. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. They need a number three running back. He's going to fill that role this year. I mean, will he get a lot of carries? Probably not. But he's going to be a contributor on this team. So, I, you know, they had six draft picks. That's all they had. I think all six make this football team. And, Again, how well they play and how much they contribute, we we have to see. But I think they hit in terms of at least roster guys and every single guy they drafted. And honestly, I mean, if you if all your draft picks make the team, I don't think people understand. That's a win. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's incredible. Yes. <laughs> There's so many, especially when you get to the sixth and seventh round. You're just you're just you're just throwing darts there. And uh, uh, me right. me and Chris have talked about on this show before how, how interesting it is that uh, players are motivated by slights, like so motivated. Yes. Yep. Um, and they all no matter if you're drafted like in the top ten or like pick 214 they find him and if i'm evan weaver i'll be damn i have 180 tackles in college and y'all telling me i ain't athletic <laughs> right and he do it we've had him on a conference call and he's he's pissed off he is not happy he lasted to the sixth round and again i don't know how much that means he he obviously had a great work ethic before that's what you hear about him but it's certainly not going to hurt if you have a motivated guy who also was a really good football player that never hurts yeah, no, that's uh, I I didn't understand the the psychology behind that for athletes, but you know what? I get it. I get it because we we nitpick at the. It really is just people who maybe didn't play, or even if we did play, if I if I led the nation in tackles <laughs> like that dude did, you tell me I ain't athletic. I'm gonna tell you to shut up. Hey, so, yeah. I'm sure you guys watched the Last Dance documentary like I did. Michael Jordan was the king of perceived slights. Oh yeah, <laughs> he was the greatest player ever to play the game. So I mean, if he lets those slights drive him, certainly a guy like Kevin Weaver can. Yeah, no, that's that's 
it's crazy to think about. But uh, Scott, we thank you for joining us on the show. You got anything in the in the works that you wanna wanna plug right now? Where we got you on? I'm actually transcribing. I'm, I, I talked to Kurt Warner this morning for about 45 minutes, seeing if he can remember the 35 guys he threw touchdown passes to in his career mm. in the regular season. So kind of a, a long conversation about talking about some of the touchdowns, some of the, you know, some of the passes he caught. And, uh, I mean, he threw. And then I also write a media column in here, and I that'll be coming out I think tomorrow, talking to um, Arizona media people about their tales in the locker room about interviews gone wrong. Is there, Really good Barry Bond story you'll have in there from Pedro Gomez. So that'll be fun to read. All right. Make sure you guys go check out that and everything else Scott does on The Athletic. Scott, we appreciate you so much for joining us, man. And uh, can't, can't wait to see these uh, Arizona versus Seattle battles uh, this season. Yeah, I'm looking forward to coming up there again, guys. I'll see you then. Did you know that 75% of us are walking around everyday life chronically dehydrated? We are suffering needlessly from frequent headaches, energy slumps, and poor focus. It doesn't have to be this way, ladies and gentlemen. Why? Hydrant creates flavored electrolyte packets you mix directly into your water to make hydrating your body easy and delicious. And for 25% off your first order, go check out drinkhydrant.com football. That's drinkhydrant.com football for 25% off your first order. Drinkhydrant.com football. Thanks again to the homie Scott Bordeaux of The Athletic Arizona. Uh, loved having him on to kick off our NFC West Roundup uh, series. I think we need like official name for that, Chris. We you just said it. Yeah. NFC Roundup. NFC West Roundup. All right, there cool. It is. Go with that. The plan next week is to have the homie Jordan Rodriguez uh, now covering the Rams uh, for The Athletic. Previously covered the Carolina Panthers for The Athletic. Did a great job. Great, great, great job. But uh, Chris, we got to get into probably the most talked about situation in the NFL at least, at least in Seahawks world for sure, it's Quentin Dunbar. Uh, if you're listening by now, you've kind of got the the details of it, but I'll just skim through them for the most part. Um, everything's allegedly. I'll say it a, tell, a thousand times, but you know what I mean. So Chris, uh, Quentin Dunbar and DeAndre Baker of the Giants were allegedly, no, they were at a house party, so that's not alleged. But they were at a house party in Miramar, Florida, Wednesday night. Everybody's, you know, kicking it, gambling, shooting dice, playing cards, video games, hanging out, like 15 to 20 people there. Apparently, um, an argument breaks out over some dice. Things allegedly get crazy. DeAndre Baker pulls out the strap, uh, threatens the dudes at the party, says, hey, Quentin, uh, and to an unidentified dude wearing a mask, he says, hey, take all this stuff from these four dudes right here. Oh, and you, masked man, that guy who just walked in. I want you to shoot him. Uh, the guy did not shoot him, uh, but four dudes are uh, claiming to be victims, saying they got robbed of watches and jewelry. I think the total comes out to somewhere north of like 70 Gs or something like that between the cash and the watches that they took. Um, and then all three parties fled in three different vehicles. That was all on Wednesday night. Arrest warrant was issued on Thursday uh, after the police got te- the statements from four victims and a fifth dude who was a witness. Then on Friday, you got Quentin Dunbar's lawyer, Michael Greco, based out of uh, Miami. He comes out. He's like, yo, we have affidavits from those same five people who helped build the the case that led to the arrest warrant for victims and a witness. We have statements from those five people clearing Quentin of any wrongdoing. It's all fabricated. Those four people recanted their statements. 
Uh, Quentin still had to turn himself in on Saturday, which he did. Posted bail on Sunday. Pled not guilty on Monday. Um, DeAndre's lawyer, I forget his lawyer's name, but he also said he they have affidavits. Uh, he doesn't specify, I don't think, whether it's from the same people. But he's he does have affidavits saying that DeAndre is innocent. We caught up, Chris? We are all that was, I, caught up. This went real crazy, but I feel like I just said it all. And it, it, it helped. Oh, also... One of the victims from Wednesday night, alleged victims, says that he met Quentin and DeAndre two nights prior. So that would be the Wednesday. Uh, and they lost $70,000 uh, that night. Now, Michael Greco also says that's fabricated. I believe he told Joe Fan of NBC Sports Northwest that that's made up. So apparently four dudes got robbed and then they didn't. So there's a lot to, to, to process here. I will... Jesus, Chris, what a weekend. That was just, just following that. I was waking up all early because everything was on East Coast time. Woke up at 7 a.m. Sunday morning to go listen to the to the Bond hearing. Oh, boy. Lots, lots, lots going on. And I didn't even, I guess, forgot to mention that Quentin spoke to us, uh, the media, Thursday morning. Yeah. And then by, like, 4 o'clock Thursday is a warrant for his arrest for armed robbery uh, with a firearm. Four counts of it. Uh, there was conflicting reports about whether he actually had a gun. Only, I think, two dudes said he didn't. One dude said he did. Um, I don't believe he did, for what that's for what that's worth. Uh, the main thing here for Quentin, and if you're a Seahawks fan, is it's like three steps, I guess, essentially. right? You want to know whether he, again, Quentin's out of jail, whether he faces any legal you know, discipline, whether that's... Uh, jail time or whatever then it's okay so is there going to be any reaction from the team i.e they're going to cut him whatever all right if he's not cut uh doesn't face any legal discipline is there any discipline from the league and if you'd ask me this thursday night i'd have like three entirely different answers to these questions now chris i'm kind of at the point where i think the answer to the legal one is probably no uh, the answer to the discipline from the team then would probably be no. You know, you don't you don't trade for them to just get rid of them, right? They get a profound pick for them, and then discipline from the league, probably no. I would guess because I don't. Chris, when you hear that, can you trust the word of anybody in this damn situation right now? At this point, I just want the case to go through, find out the verdict, and go from there because. Your attorney, your lawyer, is supposed to have your back in these situations. Oh, he's you, working hard too. Yeah, whether you did it or not, he's supposed to be there and have your back, regardless. And in this situation, will he face legal discipline? I don't know. Discipline from the team? I doubt it. From the league? I doubt it. The biggest concern would be if he does face legal discipline. Let's say they do find him guilty on a certain, on one account. Okay. Well, what does that mean for the team? I think it has to be more than a fine. Possibly a suspension, depending on what he's guilty of. From the team? Oh, yeah. I don't think the team will do anything. I guess I, I should flip those orders. I don't think the team will do anything unless the league does. Well, in that situation, the league disciplines them, saying, okay, we're going to – you're suspended five games. Well, now the Seahawks have no choice but to suspend him five games. Maybe they appeal and say, hey, how about three? Those are if he's guilty. But if he's innocent, I don't see any of these being a factor. I think he's focused on football again, and he's back to it. Back well, to Zoom calls with you well, guys. Well, hopefully focus on football. Damn. I mean, the other part of this is no matter whether it was a robbery or not, it's like, what the hell was y'all doing at a house party, man? Yeah, it was supposed to be social distancing But right as now. we talked about, Florida is on a, 
They're Florida doing their is a own different thing. world. Yeah, no, that's that's true. Florida is different. That was my actually first question. He was like, hang on, what's Florida doing? He's like, oh, Chris, down some different rules down For there. For real, Florida's different. Ain't right. nobody listening to nothing They're on beaches. Hearing that they had a little house party, a little function, and they were gambling or whatever the case may be. 15 to 20 people there. Yeah, that, I mean, he shouldn't have been there probably, but hey. Oh, ain't no probably, Chris. <laughs> Even if he wasn't going to rob nobody, he shouldn't have been there social distancing. Uh, but I, this is important, too, in terms of league discipline. And I'm reminding people of this. Um, a, the league doesn't need anything legal to happen to discipline you. Oh, yeah, the league can, if they want to hand out a $100,000 fine, they can do that right now today, and that's it. They can they they don't have to wait until like you plead guilty or you you, you get convicted or whatever. But they should. Um, in this situation, it depends. Yeah, it's I it's, wouldn't it's a case by case thing. I I would imagine. Yeah, there's a there's a there's a worthwhile debate to be had on whether the standard for discipline from the league should be greater or less than the standard for discipline. You know in what? A court of law. They could definitely discipline him for actually being in Florida during this time. They could be like, hey, man. We want you to be safe and healthy, and you're out here with 15, 20 other people that you probably don't even know, playing games, gambling, doing who knows what, and then you get COVID. See, he could get a fine for that. See, I don't, I don't think they can this because you still have stuff in the NFLPA and the. <laughs> there CB, are some regulations. CBA, yeah. What they can do. The reason I, I I note that is just because, like for example, Jaron Reed, last year, the most recent example in oh, like yeah. Seahawks world, Jaron Reed didn't legally, you know, I don't think anything came of that. Um, Actually, I'm, I'm sure there wasn't anything. Like I think they dropped dropped the charges. Um, still got what six games. Yeah. Right. Because they don't need the the standard of like determining guilt. I think Tyreek Hill is another good example. Yeah. I think it's like where it's just like we can just think you did it based on our own investigation and then do it. But I say that and Protect also the shield, Mike. and also remind people that Roger Goodell is no longer judge and jury. That yep. was part of the new CBA. Uh, they use a, a neutral party now. To like investigate and determine like personal conduct uh, policy violations here, because that's what really what it would be that you violate the personal conduct you know policies that the league has. Now, if you rob some people at at gunpoint, yes, unequivocally, yes. But if you did not, mm, then no, 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 probably. And this is more speaking just on the Dunbar side of it. The DeAndre side is a lot murkier, and maybe. It's maybe when this is all said and done, we have uh, the homie Dan that covers the Giants for the Athletic come through. But just for now, for, with Quentin, Chris, I've kind of come to the point like Thursday night. If you'd ask me, legal discipline, hell yes. Discipline from the team, uh, yes, uh, cut. Uh, and discipline from the league, uh, yeah, absolutely. If you was if you and your homie just rob some folks <laughs> at a dice game, yeah. And since that's changed, all three of those things now, I would say no, no. And no, so it's almost it's like we're to to kind of bring it up, recap it, and go because it's like every, it's almost like nothing happened, if that makes sense. Because the Seahawks are going to treat it like nothing happened, as they should. I mean, if everything goes as according and he is innocent, keep it moving. You were caught up in some stuff. You're not guilty. Okay, let's focus on the NFL season now. We got you here for a reason. We think you can help this team out. Let's get focused. Let's get back to it. And that's what it that's what it will be. But if he is guilty on certain charges. The league's going to discipline him. He'll face legal time, or he'll face some charges, and then the team's going to have to figure out what they're going to do with him next. Yeah, but, and, and yeah, I think now it's probably just going to be, at the ver- at the most, the Seahawks are probably just going to sit him down and be like, hey, man, you need new friends. <laughs> that's probably the best. The That's probably a good start. Hey, man, cut ties with some of these guys that you call your quote-unquote friends. Yeah, that's that's probably like the main thing. And stop going uh, to Florida. Yeah, well, by then he'll be up here. 
It'll be like, you know what you should do, man? Buy a house and rent. Like <laughs> Next time we'll be in that. Florida when we play tour. That's that's the only time we need to be back in Miami. Uh, yeah, man. You need to, yeah, just new friends, new address. You'll be straight. And to be fair, that's what a lot of teams think of when they talk about, like, character concerns. Usually this was, like, draft picks. Okay. They're, they're like, yeah. let's just take you out of that environment and put you here. You know, and then you'll be you'll be better. And sometimes that, do, that does work. Um, but with Quentin, yeah, if you're the Seahawks, if there ain't no legal stuff, Ain't no suspension from the league. Shoot, even if there is, they didn't kept Michael Kendricks through whatever. <laughs> a Not whole season. <laughs> and then Jaron Reed also was very instructive, too, in terms of how the Seahawks will view it. Because if you're the Seahawks and you're like, well, there wasn't anything that legally, they weren't legally able to prove that our player did anything like wrong and the league found their thing or whatever, but we're just going to rock with Jay Reed, which is essentially the stance that the, the Seahawks took, which is which the uh, accusations there were a lot more like egregious uh, than. What's what's going on here with Quentin? So if they're willing to do that, and you know even rock with Michael Kendricks, it's felony too. Then yeah, they're definitely rocking Quentin. They just probably sit down and say, "Hey, look, man, you need new friends. That's fine. Hang out with the other DBs. That's cool." Shaquille's great. Yeah, man. Love Nico. You know, <laughs> have you met Trey Flowers? <laughs> cool cat. Hang out with him. Ugo Amadi, good brother. You know, you know. Matter of fact, don't even just keep it to DBs. Linebackers too. You met Bobby. Good dude. Real, real, real good. What you should do? Stay out of Florida, and uh, yeah. Get some new homies. We got 52 new homies for actually, Darash is at 90. There's 89 <laughs> new homies that you can have, plus the coaching staff. Shoot, hang out with the equipment dude. If I that's, think if that's for what you this want. sole purpose, they should bring you in the meeting. Hey, Mike, you have something to tell Quentin? And you just give them everything you just told the podcast. Well, okay. So th- that's, that's a good our point. Listeners. That's a good point. And I, th- I want to bring up Quentin's, because uh, Quentin did release a statement. This is the first time we've heard from him uh, since he got uh, arrested. Or I guess he turned himself in. I guess you get arrested either way. Same thing. Um, He said, quote, I would like to thank all my fans for their support and apologize to the Seattle Seahawks organization for any unnecessary distractions that these allegations against me may have caused. In addition, I am very grateful to be a part of a team that supports one another and uphold the credibility of each of its members through adverse situations. Moving forward, this entire situation has taught me how to not associate myself with environments that may mischaracterize my values and who I am, end quote. That last sentence is very important, Chris. Last sentence seems like he got the message that I'm talking someone about. Did, did you talk to him already? I, I should have. <laughs> sounds like someone did, though. Moving forward, I talk, he said he's learned how to not associate himself with environments that may mischaracterize who he is, i.e., stay out of Florida, get new friends. That's cool. Uh, actually, the first comment on this was Jerry says, I'm with you. Um, you know what? That's fine. We'll that's take fine. it. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, hang out with some Seahawks. Don't, you know, that's good. That way, my dad will always say, control your situation. Mm. I mean, if you're, you know, if you're rolling with the homie and he's strapped and you're not sure whether or not y'all may be accused of robbery wherever y'all going. Get out the car. Yeah, they drove separate, allegedly. <laughs> the getaway cars were, I shouldn't say getaway cars. Everything's alleged, by the way. I don't want to get sued. The getaway cars were allegedly BMW, Lambo, and a Benz. So they rolled up in style. Uh, and one dude, one of the victims said the cars were, quote, unquote, pre-positioned for a quick getaway. I, I don't know about that dude. That dude may have done something. Like, how do you know how a car is supposed to be pre-positioned? You mean they backed in? Like, because that's really all that means. You know, it's like, otherwise, what, you expect them to be double parked? <laughs> no, man, it's Florida. People strapped. Social distancing. I ain't, you know, I ain't with that. Uh, but, I mean, the I guess the good news is, A, no one was shot. Uh, B, the Seahawks potential starting corner isn't, you know, going to go to jail. That's always good. 
It's always good news. Yeah, that's, that, that, that's good. This he is, can just learn from the situation, and as he said in his post, get yourself out of those situations. Stop hanging out with those guys that could have questions with your character later on. And Simple who, as that. And whoever they was at the party with, they definitely don't 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 shoot no dice with them no more. Is it? Yeah. Not even just because of the. No one, no one in this whole situation seems very trustworthy. At the end of the day, whether you're talking about gambling or you can trust their word, because that's where we're not legal experts, obviously. But like anyone investigating this, how can you trust the words of the dudes who claims they got robbed? It's like, all right, either you was lying then, or you lying now. It's almost like that scene in uh, remember Menace of Society mm. when he's sitting across from the dude, uh, and he dro- he's talking about when he dropped the forty bottle. Yep, and he's like. He dropped the bottle. I can't remember the whole thing. But at the end of it, he catches him up, and he's like, you know you done messed up, right? <laughs> you know you done messed up. Because he's like, either you lying in or you lying out. Same thing. So if you're Seahawks, you're like, look, if he ain't robbed nobody, he's playing corner. Simple as that. Boom, boom. And we're going to, you know, make him go to Bible study with Russ <laughs> or something. I don't, I don't know. Everyone should go to Bible study with, with Russ, you know, bonding. I ain't mad at and, it. And, and, and all that. Can't hurt. Russell's a great guy. Uh, his Insta- his Instagram post today was not good. But other than that, <laughs> did you see what I'm talking about? The birthday shout out? We uh, don't have to address it. I, I, I did. There's one line in the birthday shout out. You just you gotta leave that you gotta leave that line out. You gotta do. But I think that we're good on Quentin, right? We're good on Quentin, man. That's everything. I think I got jokes about the thing, but I don't necess- I wanna wait till it's over first. It's almost like the Earl Thomas thing. You gotta let yeah, wait. Ooh, Colin Coward came with the heat. Oh no, he always that's different. <laughs> Our heat is different than his heat. I like our heat. It's rooted in a, a much happier place. Oh. He always has to, a lot of people talking heads when stuff like this happens, they have to assassinate people's character. And I'm not really into that. You know, if you kick it a certain way, then you kick it a certain way. And there's ways to address that without like using words like thug or red flags or whatever, you know, bad character or things like that. People even rush at that with Quentin. It's just like, you know, it's probably just need new homies. You know, that's just. Yeah, plenty, of people, plenty of people can relate to that. It's an easy fix, to be honest. Yes, that is. Well, with that said, I uh, want to thank you for listening to the Seahawks Man to Man podcast, again, powered by The Athletic. Uh, you guys know where to follow me because I'm verified on Twitter. As soon as Chris acknowledges that it is called the Tweet Machine, then his blue check will come. Uh, <laughs> anything else? You can follow me on Twitter at CKID206. Again, that's CKID206. I'm just going to prove a point that I'll get a blue check without saying the tweet machine. All right, we'll see. Alleged, <laughs> allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs>